Good evening, Father's House. I've been so excited for this conversation this week. Um, and um, I'm not here to ask you for anything. Let's just start there. Um, I'm here to tell you what your church has been doing and how we have been impacting, a community, impacting communities as our church over the last couple of years. <clears throat> so Lever Foundation was started 10 years ago with the idea that we want to impact the city outside of Sunday. We thought the best way to do this and the best way to change people's lives was to help them get a job and help them find employment. There's 63% youth unemployment in South Africa at the moment. That means it is more normal not to have a job, which is quite something really. So we want to help people enter the economy and we do this through job skills training and some education. Now, the impact uh, programs I want to talk to you about, it might feel like I'm showing off a bit tonight, but that's because I really am trying to show off. And I'm hoping that you guys will be proud of your church and be able to do that as well uh, after I've been telling you these stories. <clears throat> so the first one is called Work for a Living. This program runs behind us in the kids' church classrooms during the week, and it runs every three weeks, and it teaches people how to get a job, just the basics on why you should arrive on time and why you should have a good attitude. And we've had a thousand, thousand, more than a thousand people come through this over the last couple of years. In uh, Warehouse One, we have an e-cafe where many people learn our phase two skills, everything from merchandising to cash, cashier, office administration, and even graphic design. That happens in, in Warehouse One. The next thing I want to talk to you about is Red Band Barista Academy. Now, Father's House has a good history with coffee, and I'm pretty sure that we've launched a few churches off the back of a really good cappuccino. Um, being a barista is one of the really cool jobs you can get when you start working. And we've seen so many people become a barista and then go on to be something else because they got spotted and seen and their talent was shown through being a barista. We have trained over 400 people to become baristas in this city alone. And many of these will have probably served you a coffee in, in Mandela Bay already, whether it is at Seattle or Vida E or Mug and Bean or Wimpy. All of those companies are recruiting the students that come through us to become baristas. Literally last week at graduation, on Friday at the Red Band graduation, Seattle came to our, our graduation so they could have first choice of the, the baristas we graduated. <clears throat> So although we've been doing so much work in our city and a lot of it goes unseen by our church, the city, this impact has scaled further than just Mandela Bay. And in 2018, we launched a Barista Academy in Uganda. Many of these people also found employment and they even were employed into countries like Dubai and Qatar and Saudi Arabia where they earned significantly more than they could have at the, in their home country and are sending money back to, to impact their communities and families. In 2019, we launched a Barista Academy in Cape Town, as well as the City of George. And we were actually the first ever organization in South Africa to teach barista training behind bars to currently incarcerated people, which was a pretty cool thing to see them behind bars learning and going in there with the coffee machines into prison um, and seeing them learn that skill. Last year, Red Band Academy was nominated for and won the education, 
dedication to education at the South African Coffee Champs. And earlier this year, Sean and I were invited to speak as a keynote speaker at the World Roasters Coffee Forum in El Salvador, Central America, which was a really cool thing to think. All the way from Mandela Bay in South Africa, we were asked to speak and tell them the stories of our impact and how we're changing, changing Africa. So all of this has been happening from your church, from our city. The last thing I want to talk to you about is Tangible Africa. Now, this is a program which um, I think Pastor George and I always smile at each other, but when we realize that all stories really end back or start at church. So with this one, <clears throat> Prof. Sean Kraling from Mandela University and I met through him being involved at Father's House, and we chatted about an honors project that one of his students was doing, which he thought really had good potential to reach out to more people and bridge the digital divide in South Africa. <clears throat> and that's really how the story started and why I think there's so much global reach now with, with this project specifically. So what is tangible? At Tangible, we demystify coding. Tangible is an unplugged, low-cost solution to bridging the digital divide, and we introduce learners to coding by doing this. In South Africa, we have 16,000 schools which don't have computers. That's a lot of learners who aren't even being exposed to anything to do with computers or coding, and this is very common in other developing African nations. <clears throat> so, what Tangible is, it's a mobile app on, uh, called Rangers. It's a fun, uh, gamified way to engage learners. They really love playing, playing the game, so much so that they can't stop doing it at break. They ask their teachers to come back on Saturdays, and they really, uh, the, I think it's the being able to play a game at school. We kind of pretend that we trick them into doing maths and other subjects because they get to come and play this game. So how does the game work? You'll see a little video now too on seeing the, the learners playing with the game. So the ranger needs to move around a, a maze, a grid map, to catch the poacher before the poacher gets to the rhino. The learners then also pack out these um, little puzzle pieces on the desk in front of them, with, which are directions. So forward, left, right, backwards. Um, and those have little QR codes on top of the puzzle pieces. The learners then pick up the app, will take a photo of the puzzle pieces. The QR codes then internalize inside the app, <coughs> inside the phone, and then you'll see if they got their path right. So it's a really fun way for, and we, this starts from early on as age seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up to matric. And these learners are learning the basic concepts of coding that come on those little puzzle, puzzle pieces. So over the last couple of years, we've reached 120,000 learners in South Africa. That's across all nine provinces. That's across all nine provinces, particularly the rural parts of South, of South Africa. Because we don't need any data and we don't need electricity, we just need a basic mobile phone, it really can help us reach into the most rural parts of the country. <clears throat> the 1,000 teachers that we uh, managed to reach with Tangible have also been, our course has been accredited by the Department of Education, so those teachers managed to get their points. Now to give you some idea of scale of what's been happening with Tangible as well, every Mandela Day we run a coding tournament. I didn't know that coding could be a sport, but apparently it can. 
Um, and this coding tournament, over the years, five children from each school get picked um, as they've been playing the app during the year. They get picked to represent their school at this interprovincial and national tournament. To give you some perspective, this Mandela Day, because we've done it a couple of years in a row now, we had 16,000 learners playing on, this, on, on Mandela Day across 600 schools <laughs> at, <laughs> at 70 sites and at uh, one of our flagship sites in Tsomo, the president was actually there and he came and played the game with us. So I think when you, when you take a moment to think about those numbers, it is probably one of the bigger Mandela Day activations that happened in the whole country. And it was your church that did it, on your behalf. <clears throat> and it really hasn't stopped, stopped there. The enthusiasm for this game has really taken off from both teachers and learners. We have now expanded into five other African countries, Kenya, Ghana, Uganda, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. And we have won a couple of international awards for this work. The innovation of this game has not only been relevant for the local developing countries, but <clears throat> also has been recognized in Europe. This past year, Prof. Sean Jackson and I have presented Tangible in Dublin, Rotterdam, Finland, Estonia, and Germany. And we've officially launched this pro program in Ireland earlier in June, where Jackson trained about 20 master trainers who are now going out into schools and introducing kids to how to code without computers. <clears throat> Last week, we, we launched into Germany with a school there who has now taken on the project. So there really has been some crazy reach when it comes to Tangible. Another very exciting thing about Tangible is that we've managed to modify it to be relevant and inclusive of the visually impaired and the blind. And last week, Jackson was in Kenya speaking at the Visually Impaired Conference for Africa. And while he was doing that, our HQ team here has been doing a six-week roadshow around South Africa, teaching teachers how to play this game with the visually impaired. <clears throat> so there is so much happening, and I think there's going to be a lot hap more happening in the next, next couple of years when it comes to what your church is doing with our foundation. And this is all happening without the agenda of Sunday. And I'm quite intentional about saying that because I really believe that one day when someone's life has changed from having done a course through us or having particularly found a job or being entered into the economy, I think they'll look back one day and the seed that, that we planted, God will have watered and they'll realize maybe that was because it came from a church. And I think in that moment, they'll know in their heart that it was God who made their life change. So please join me in being proud of what we're doing, because I think we don't often talk a lot much about what our church is doing and what your church is doing and what essentially the church is doing on your behalf, because we know how busy life is and how much we need to study and how much we need to work and look after our families. Um, I was thinking this morning of the scripture where they said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, when I was worried about showing off what we're doing. But then I also realized I don't think the left hand or the right hand knows what we're doing. So we <laughs> let's start with, with telling some stories. Anyway, thank you everyone. I'll hand over to Mike.
thank you, Ryan. Uh, the work that you and the foundation are doing really is a, a testament of being salt of the earth and shining the light of Christ in all the world. So we really honor you. We thank you for all that you're doing. And just can we give one more round of applause to Ryan and the foundation? I think the reach is incredible. It really is. It really is significant. Okay, so um, it's 10 to 6. We won't finish too late tonight, but it'll be a little bit of an opportunity to share a message just in line with part three of They Say that Vince started off so excellently over the last two weeks. Um, you'll have noticed I'm wearing a South African flag shirt, my wife and I. I'm quite patriotic. You didn't notice? That's <laughs> difficult to avoid. It. I'm quite patriotic. Uh, I love my country, and I'm very. I love my sport too. And our national men's cricket and rugby sides are, are f- flying the flag high at their respective World Cups. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe just a word on the Springbok game last night. Boca. Yeah, we're in the final. I did not enjoy that game one bit. Not even for a moment did I enjoy that game. It was the least enjoyable Springbok game ever. I know Scripture says. Be anxious for nothing. But the Springboks were not playing World Cup knockout games when Paul wrote that. And so I'm not so certain about that. But in all, all reality, I think we can learn something from the Springboks. Um, if you're not a rugby fan, welcome to South Africa. Uh, we're glad to have you here. Welcome to church. We pray that you'll receive salvation, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of rugby. And we play it in heaven. It's in the Bible. Uh, <clears throat> it's not. It's a joke. But, but on a serious note, Rossi and Jacques and Sia and the Springboks, they've been building for this for six years, right? Um, it's taken a lot of time and resources and intentional planning and hard work to have won a World Cup and Rugby Championship in 2019, to have beaten the British and Irish Lions in 2021, and now to be 18 minutes and an All Blacks team away from a second World Cup in four years. The thing about uh, the Springbok side is they've gone about it with a lot of noise, right? There's a lot of naysayers, criticism about their style of play, about the way that they do things, and um, the tactics and the rotating of the squad, etc. There's a lot of criticism that comes their way. But they set out with an objective of representing their country, honoring their people, and bringing hope to their nation. And I think they've done that pretty well. But like the Springboks, who have built their World Cup campaign, we're all building something. Each of us is building a life. The question is, are we, like the Springboks, intentionally building with good quality material, or are we sort of accidentally stumbling upon what we're building? You don't accidentally stumble upon a World Cup. You have to work really hard and intentionally and build correctly to be able to build a World Cup. And the same is true of our lives. We have to build intentionally and with good quality materials and on the right foundation if we are to receive the crown of life for which the Lord has called us. And so how we build our lives matters. To help me explain this and this idea of how we build our lives, I'd like to talk about food. Some of us are hungry. But each one of us is building our body. Some of us intentionally, some of us accidentally. There are some bodybuilders, muscle guys here. Some of us maybe uh, less of that, but maybe building a, a, a long endurance, endurance uh, long long distance endurance body. Um, you know, 
And then some of us are sort of accidentally stumbling upon a dad bod. But what we put in and what we build with is what we get out, right? Most of us know that we can't simply consume whatever we want, whenever we want, in whatever quantity we want. A lifetime, oh, what, a moment on the lips is a, is a lifetime on the hips, so they say. So, so the pancakes and the lemon meringue in Warehouse One, those are super naturally infused, sort of calorie-free. Uh, so you should definitely stay, have one with a coffee uh, afterwards in, in Warehouse One. Um, but the reality is that we're, we're tempted by convenience and comfort food. And, but we all know that there are long-term consequences to what we have. And not having a check on what we consume in terms of what, uh, what we eat and what we drink will have an impact on our lives, either po positively or negatively. And we don't also consume food endlessly without ever pausing to digest, or we shouldn't. Some of us don't know when to stop. No names mentioned, Matthew. <clears throat> but even me, I know it's true. Have you ever been to a, a function where it's finger snacks? And you just, you never know when you're full. You just sort of eat and eat, and you try something different, and eventually you're like, oh my word, I can't even breathe anymore. I'm so full. But we all have a time to consume and a time to digest and to process. The role of digesting and processing is literally to consume that which is beneficial and nutritious and get rid of that which is not. And so it helps us to determine whether what we've consumed is good to build with or not. Now, the same can and should be applied to what we are listening to. We live in a world where we are exposed to and bombarded by endless opinions on a variety of topics. While what we eat and drink impacts our body, what we listen to can impact our souls, our hearts, our minds. Have you heard it said, this could be food for your soul? And are we being intentional about what it is we're consuming as food for our soul? Scripture says that above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the issues of life. This scripture is telling us to protect the source of our lives. It's saying, is the foundation we're building on solid? This series that Vince has started the last two weeks and that I'm finishing up today called They Say has been devoted to the idea that we are constantly listening to something. The diverse and seemingly infinite content available on social media, on the internet, or even through one-on-one -on -one conversations. And the infamous algorithms are designed to help us consume that which we seem to pay attention to, so much so that it has the potential to consume us. But we should put a check on what we're listening to and consuming. Just like we put a check on our physical diet, we should put a check on our listening diet, for that impacts our hearts and our souls. In a world in which we are able to consume everything and anything we want to whenever we want to, should we have a check to know and to, to know how to discern and determine what is good and what is healthy for us to consume? Will it fuel us and help us maintain long-term health, building a healthy heart, soul, and mind? Or is it a quick cheat meal? 
that gives us a spike only to have us feeling worse off and having to deal with some long-term health consequences. So how do we know what to listen to? How do we know what to build our lives on? What is the test of good versus bad, of helpful versus unhelpful, healthy versus unhealthy, beneficial versus detrimental, godly versus evil even? And how do we give ourselves time to think and to consider, to test and digest what we've listened to? Do we simply consume unaware of whether the, what we have consumed is actually beneficial to building our lives on? How we build matters. And so we are encouraged to build our lives wisely and intentionally. Scripture says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there's something that determines the quality of our life based on what we are listening to. And so are we putting structures in place to help us build a healthy life? How we build matters. Jesus put it this way, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What we consume and apply determines the quality of the life we're building, the foundation on which we build on and the materials with which we build. Jesus said that the storms of life will come and he's asking whether what we've built will stand when those storms of life do come. There are many ways to build but only one way that leads to life and handling or standing when the test of life does come. There are many ways that seem far less costly and far quicker or faster, but those ways are shortcuts that land you in destruction. There is one way that leads to a solid foundation built with quality materials that stands the test of time. The question we should ask ourselves is, whose voice are we listening to? What are we consuming and building our lives with? Scripture tells us the Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. He built the world on His wisdom and He is inviting us to build our worlds the same way. Let's listen to what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light." It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. The scripture is encouraging us, firstly, to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There is no other foundation on which we should build our lives. That is to build wisely. And then the scripture encourages us to build with the best possible materials so that it can stand the test of life and we can receive a reward. So what are we building with? What are we listening to? 
and consuming that is influencing the quality of our building materials. How do we know if we're building wisely? Scripture says that wisdom is worth more than precious stones. God's wisdom and His ways are revealed by listening to Jesus and putting everything He says into practice, building our lives on the rock of ages. The Word of God, which spoke creation into existence, is still speaking today and revealing the best quality building materials. It's the wisdom in creation that speaks of the glory of God. It's the wisdom that confounded the wisdom of man, that the cross of Jesus and His blood would speak a better word of our salvation. So, how do we know what to listen to? How do we know what to absorb? And how do we put into practice that which God has taught us to build wisely so that we are able to build a life that can stand the test so that we can receive a reward? Firstly, I'd like to give us three quick points and we'll be done by 10 past six. Scripture tells us that we need to test what we listen to. I liken that to the food example. There is a time to consume and then a time to digest. We live in a world where we're constantly listening to something. We almost feel guilty if we don't have a podcast playing or we don't have TikTok or social media or something giving us something to consume. But do we ever take a moment to consider what we listen to and whether it is actually good quality building material? We should not accept everything as the gospel truth. The Springboks had that example. They just got criticism from all over the world. The New Zealanders said they don't play nice enough rugby. The English said they play the referee too much. But we won the World Cup in 2019 and we're in the final again. You can't listen to all of the criticism you receive you, or everything that you listen to. You have to have the courage to say, no, I, I, that's not what I believe and this is what I believe. But you should also have the humility to realize when we're going wrong. The Springboks had to go to the referee and say, oh, where are we going wrong? And they had to make some changes. And so there's a few times in our lives we must have the courage to say, I can't do everything that you've said. Actually, that's not what I believe. This is what I believe. And sometimes the humility, or always the humility, but sometimes the humility is to say, oh, I have actually gone wrong and I should change accordingly. First Thessalonians tells us this, shows us this test. It says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. We might think prophecies reveal Jesus. That's prophecies is a Christian term. That's surely good. How can they need testing? But even Jesus had to test prophecies thrown at him. Do you remember him in the wilderness? The enemy through scripture, a prophecy about him, at him. But Jesus had to know scripture well enough to be able to test it and say, no, 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 no. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. I'm not going to take his name in vain. We should even know how, even scripture can be twisted for evil. And we should know that there is a test to apply. The test is good versus evil. In the beginning of creation, God made everything good. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. I love my wife. It is not good for man to be alone. And then he said, 
when he created man and woman, he said, this is very good. So we had a good knowledge, we had a knowledge of what is good, what is not good, and what is very good. But we got a little bit greedy. We decided we should, we should eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was the tree not to. And that's where things got distorted. We put ourselves in the position of God, trying to define good and evil for ourselves, rather than accepting what God said is good and evil. There's an interesting scripture in Judges that says, in those days, Israel had no king and everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. I think we've got to be careful that we do not play with the wisdom of the ages passed down from God to us. Let God determine what is good and what is evil and let us have the humility to accept what God says to be true. There's a, there's a second test. So the one test, good and evil. A second test is quite simply godly versus ungodly. I haven't got it on the screen, but 1 John 4 verse 1 to 3 simply says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how, will you, how you will recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ is Lord, has come in the flesh, is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Quite a simple test. So the first test was good and evil. Let God's definition be right. The second test, godly versus ungodly, simply does it proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And then a test of God's will. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing world. So this is saying there's a pattern of the world that we could conform to, but it says don't, don't do that. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve even what God's will is. So how do we test and approve God's will? Well, we need to be trained in his word. And that takes me to our second point. So firstly, there's a test on what we listen to. But in order to be able to prepare for the test, we need to do some training. In order to prepare for the World Cup, the Springboks had to go into training. And their training sessions are famously brutal. They say you train the way you play so that they are ready for a test. So that when you're nine points down in a World Cup semi-final with 15 minutes to go, you know how to pass the test. All right? I believe that you should practice the way you play. I remember the first time Kelly Joe and I went to this new gym that we're going to together. I thought, you practice the way you play. I'm going to go full tilt, full time. It was a bad idea. I could barely breathe afterwards. I literally couldn't talk to her in the car on the way home. I fell out the car when I got home. I couldn't walk. It was a disaster. But you train the way you play. I don't know if it was pride, maybe for me, but I think there's a good principle that you prepare yourself for the test before the test arrives. So we know what the test is. So how do you train? 2 Timothy 2 says this, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, correctly handling the word of truth. Jesus was tested in the wilderness, as I mentioned earlier. He knew how to handle the word of truth correctly. I remember being tested once when I went off on a rugby tour, and I didn't know the scriptures that well. And somebody said to me, 
Do you know that before the Lord created the sun, or he only created the sun on the fourth day, but there was light on the first day? How do you explain that? And I was left with a mouthful of teeth. I was like, I don't know. But now that I know that, well, Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus is the light that God spoke into creation. And revelation ends in a new heaven and a new earth that has no sun because Christ is the light. Well, it's a beautiful picture that points to Jesus. But I didn't know, I hadn't trained myself up. So when the test came, I failed. And we should test or we should train ourselves up so that we can pass the test. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We are encouraged to build well by putting into practice the disciplines required to build a life that stands the test and receives a reward. We are to ensure that the material we are building our lives with is of the highest quality. How do we do that? We train ourselves in the Word of God. I think another great way of preparing for the test is by having good people around you. The Springboks train really hard. They've got the guys that don't play, they prepare themselves by pretending to be the opposition and, and making sure you're well prepared. And then when you're on the field and you go over to try and steal the ball and the ref calls you out, you say, hey, get out of there. And so I think it's really good to have people around you. How did I learn the Word of God? Not only by myself. I joined Vincent's men's group on a Friday morning and he trained me in the way of righteousness. I'm grateful that my parents trained me. This is how you read the Bible. This is how you pray. There's groups to join. There's people to get around. Go to church, study the Word of God. Listen to the Bible Project or the YouVersion Bible app. Get people around you who say, hey, they love you enough to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Stay on this path. This is the way to go. Build your life well. We've got to love people enough to, to keep them off the broad way that leads to distraction and help them build their lives on the narrow way that leads to life. And then finally, am I running out of time? Maybe I can skip past this. Are we, good? Are we doing okay? A couple of minutes just to close off. I did want to just say, the third part is traction. So, so we've, we know what the test is, We've trained ourselves for the test, and then we've actually got to put it into action. It's all well and good, the Springboks preparing, but if they never played the game, they're never going to win the title. We've got to put our testing, our training into practice. And I think there's something interesting in the scripture at the start of Judges. I mentioned Judges earlier, but a different scripture at the start of Judges said that God left giants in the promised land for the children of Israel to learn the art of warfare. There's something that God has in store in developing our character and building a life with the best quality materials that involves engaging our training in a test. And that's where I'm talking about traction. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The scripture is telling us that there is a way to build our lives that results in receiving the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. In a world 
in which everyone and everything is clambering for our attention to be the material with which we build our lives? Are we preparing ourselves appropriately to be able to determine the quality of the materials and to build as a wise builder so that we may receive the reward that God has in store for us? This evening, I want to encourage us to build well and to build wisely, to build our house on the rock that is Jesus Christ, and then to build with materials of the highest heavenly eternal quality. Apply godly filters to everything that they say so that we can determine what is good and what is not good, what is godly and what is not godly. Determine what is helpful and what is unhelpful. How we build matters and the materials with which we use will determine the quality of the life that we build. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, and I'm going to close with this, says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Not only are we building a life that we live in, but we're building a life that God lives in. God does His work on earth in us and through us. Then He's inviting us to build our lives with the wisdom and the materials that He gives us so that we build in such a way that we receive a reward and that He receives glory, honor, and praise as we live out our lives to honor Him. Can you say amen?